Welcome back to the CRM podcast for another episode. Uh, this episode here will be based on a book review from Ant Middleton called The Fair Bubble. Now in the last episode, episode 11, I kind of touched on how I started reading and how I'm not much of a reader and kind of how um, I started reading and how it all came about. So um, it's only a short episode, so go and, go and give it a listen and, and, and check it out. So uh, essentially, Ant Middleton, uh, The Fair Bubble, is kind of a book that um, Ant kind of gets people to try and change their way of thinking, their mindset, their mentality, and how they look at things. So Ant Middleton's a... Um, He's an ex, ex SAS soldier, Royal Marine, um, part of the parachute squadron, and he was a sniper in the army. He did two tours to Afghanistan, um, and he's experienced some of the most horrific uh, war zones and and things that um, not every Joe public see. So um, he's got an awesome story, and and. What I'll start off with is kind of just give him. What I'll do is I'll give you guys a real brief background as to who he is and what he's done. Um, but I don't want to give too much away because it's such a, it's such a good book, and um, I'd want you guys to kind of read it and 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 take from it what you guys want as well. So, um, that's kind of be, kind of um, what I'm going to base off this episode is I'm not going to give too much away, but I'm definitely going to give you guys a few gems that he kind of, that he kind of comments on. So the fair bubble is pretty much, a book how he uses fear to prepare him i'm sorry to propel him he, he uses it as energy and not and and not as his enemy so he finds that being in the army obviously there's a lot of um tough love nature and he finds that in society today there's a lot of people um that aren't really reaching their full potential through fear and it's fear of a lot of things fear of conflict fear of failure um fear of denial anything like that so um essentially when he was five his his dad passed away suddenly uh, from a heart attack and um quickly after that about a month or two later he um he had a new stepdad in his life and later on when he looked back at it it was pretty prominent that his that his mum was having an affair and um pretty much when his dad died like his dad was his best friend and his mum made an effort to make sure that him and his older brothers didn't go to the funeral. He wasn't spoken about. All the pictures of him were taken down from the walls in the in the room and essentially he was just made to be forgotten. So um that's kind of where this whole thing kind of starts. So he pretty much pretty much his father died when he was five. Um a new stepdad came into into his house and he was kind of he he was like a real violent person. Um he moved to France from England as a five year old and then was forced to live in France and, and speak a different language and it just wasn't it just wasn't him and then he went, he went back to England at 16 um, joined the army and then he was part of the SAS the Royal Marines the parachute squadron um, the special boat service and he was a sniper as well so like I said he did um, two tours of Afghan um, he's he's been there he's done that he's he's pretty much done it all so throughout his whole journey he kind of um, it kind of relates back to a lot of things that he's experienced um, and some of the stories that he says and, and kind of the analogies that he brings out are just so so simplified and so easy to understand and it's probably why it's probably why um, why I like it so much is it's such an easy read so um, 
So for him, there's like a big, if you, if you go onto YouTube and you, and you video him, oh sorry, and you, and you search him, um, there's a lot of videos of him on talk shows and stuff about why he doesn't regret killing people and why he doesn't um, have PTSD and a lot of other people do. And he kind of simplifies it down to, um, I suppose he dealt with a lot of the, the trauma and the horrific things that they had to experience, um, as simple as simple as he could and he and he relates it back to being a fear bubble now essentially um how he defines fear so essentially he says that fear is what happens when your brain perceives that a challenging situation is likely to happen to you at some point in the future the closer that that point in time gets and the more challenging the potential situation the greater feeling of fear so that could mean anything that for him that could be meaning um stacking up on one side of the door and then having to breach the door and and pull the trigger on someone or it could be um going to the dentist or um if you're afraid of heights you you know you could be climbing the sky tower or it could be anything like that so that's pretty much um how we defines fear and he kind of says that without fear there's no challenge without challenge there's no growth and without growth there's no life the fear bubble is essentially an imaginary bubble which is a mental picture and it presents itself when there is imminent danger or something that you fear Anything outside that bubble is your safety zone and you want to burst the bubble so you spend as little amount of time in there as possible. If you spend too much time in the bubble, it gets exhausting. So, for example, um, if you, like he made an example that um, he was stacked up on a door one time and that um, he knew that he was the first man to go through and he knew that he was about to go into a, a world of the unknown. Um, and then he he truly experienced fear and he thought, fuck, I really need to, like he, he made a mental picture of that door being a bubble and he burst through it and then he got the job done as quick as possible so then he didn't have to be in that kind of bubble anymore full of fear. So what he says is if you, if you fear something and you like make a mental picture of it being a bubble and try and pop as many bubbles as you can because you're only going to grow and try and spend as little as time as possible because you just end up mentally training yourself. That's essentially what he's saying there. So... Um, once you start bursting them, it becomes enjoyable and you start harnessing fear and using it to your advantage. You can always step out of the bubble for a minute, give your thoughts and then attempt to burst it again so you never always have to do it, obviously on the first chance. Once you start to burst bubbles, something that seems as daunting as a six month process, let's say for example we use the um, the dentist example again, um, say if I booked, well, I'm shit scared of the dentist so that's kind of why I'm, I'm going back on that but... Um, if I book a dentist appointment six months in advance, I'm always feeling wheezy about it for a whole six months. So once you start to burst bubbles, something that seems as daunting as a six-month process only lasts minutes because of where the source of fear is coming from. Now, if you think about it, if I book a dentist appointment six months down the track, at the moment I feel I feel pretty shit scared for the whole six months. But for five months, three weeks, and fucking 17 hours before I walk through that door, before um, I'm on the table what's there to be scared of you know like I'm, I'm healthy i'm safe i'm you know like i've got all these other things um and i'm not i'm not in the chair yet so why worry about something that's so far down the track um and then i suppose for that kind of situation your fear bubble well my fear bubble would be jumping in the chair um so why why daunt on it for six months when it's only a fucking a few minutes you know So essentially the whole the whole kind of book or, or why he started it was I'll backtrack a bit was because um when he left 
when he left the army, um, he was so trained to be um, a professional soldier um, who needs to be ingrained with conflict. Um, but when when they reach the end of their kind of tenure from being a soldier and they go into civistry, they're not they have to train themselves to be a civilian. Um, they're always worried about where to sit in a restaurant. They always put their back to a corner so they can see everything, for example. Um, they don't know how to deal with conflict when someone brushes past them and they and they rub shoulders with them. Naturally, they'll all turn around nine times out of ten and want to knock them out. Whereas normally as a civilian, you'd walk past them and you wouldn't even like, you know, like you wouldn't even worry about it or you'd turn around and just be like, oh, hey, mate, sorry about that. So um, that's kind of where... It's all stemmed from him. He struggled with coming out of the army and being in this world of conflict and going into a world with no conflict. And he, he felt that he, it was so ingrained in him that it was a part of him. So what he did was he was on a plane one night and um, he decided to try and conquer Mount Everest. Um, the one thing that appealed to him was the amount of people that die on Mount Everest. And... Essentially, most examples um, in the book relate back to his his journey on Mount Everest. So, essentially, when he was out on Sibby Street, he was he wanted to be in that fear bubble. He wanted to pop more bubbles because that's how he grew and um, got to the point where he'd be at a pedestrian crossing and he'd walk as slow as possible for the light to go green so cars would try and run him over because he wanted to be on that life, that edge of life or death. Um, and um, to him, that's kind of how he grew, and that's how he tried to get better. So that was essentially the part of why he wanted to do Mount Everest. And um, he had some pretty, some pretty massive struggles on Mount Everest, and it'll all be outlined in the book. But look, you definitely need to read this book. So um, essentially, he talks about some as the corridor, and the corridor essentially is like another mental another mental picture, um, it's, it's, it's almost like an analogy of having a long hallway with doors everywhere and you only know what's behind those doors if you go through them and there may be bubbles on that door handle but how else do you grow? So essentially you need to make sure that you're popping bubbles, sorry about that, that you're popping bubbles um, to grow and if you don't then you're just going to be the same person. Now not opening doors is you being sheltered and only one dimensional, okay? Um, he talks about something called the magic shrinking potion. Um, essentially, that's two people, a positive thinker and a negative thinker. Positive thinkers open door after door in the corridor, and when they fail, they pick themselves up, chalk it up to experience. Negative, see, negative thinkers see the world full of danger and are daunted by threats and hurdles a new day brings. And that could mean anything. Um, that could mean that a 10-year-old boy is scared of going to rugby training. Uh, he doesn't want to ride his bike without any training wheels type of thing. So pretty much every kind of like little gem that, um, what is it? Um, every, every kind of little gem that I've been giving, try and relate that back to something in your life or something that um, you see daily. Um, so negative thingers are stuck in the same corridor day after day, never opening any of the doors that are presented to them. Whenever they fall down and fail, they take it personally. They start to blame it on someone or something. They start to feel sorry for themselves and believe they are a victim. This is what's called a victim mindset, and it's all caused by fear. Now, a victim mindset um, is something that he touches on as well. 
and he state and he, he pretty much says that the more you treat yourself or someone as a victim, the more they become what you mold them into, which is a victim. If you tell someone that they're a victim and baby them, they will believe you and become that person. Saying things like, it's okay, be careful, don't go there, don't be with that person, and spoiling them, they will learn to believe that this is all true. For example, when aunt's, when aunt's father passed away, his brother Daniel, his older brother, didn't know how to mourn his father. He failed to accept it, deal with it, and move on. And he grew up spoiled, thinking he was a victim, and he was rewarded for not dealing with it. This becomes a natural default mindset, because growing up we are told by our parents, who are essentially the most important people they are, you know, like Varat, don't go there, don't touch that, leave that alone. Hearing that from influential people, growing up consistently for 16 years builds a default mindset, which is one of being a victim. Our default mindset becomes one of fear. And if you have this mindset for year after year and fail to open any doors in that corridor, it's your negative mindset not wanting you to pop that bubble. This in turn makes you the same person, and as life evolves around you, you shrink and get less important, more pathetic, and it shrinks you. Victimhood is a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you think about that, if you think about that, as you're a, like you, everyone's, everyone's felt sorry for themselves, and it feels better than not feeling sorry for yourself, if that makes sense. So um, pretty much, victimhood is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It makes you feel safe and warm, and you don't challenge anything. People like this. They like being in that safety zone. When you fail to harness your fear and become a negative person, your brain will spot traps and enemies everywhere. And then again, is pretty much what a victim mindset is. Negative people mostly use the word always, never, and everyone a lot. Because they think that their experience is the same for everyone. They make it known that their failures aren't a lack of courage, but everything and everyone else's problem. Fault and blame are the main components of a victim mindset. He then goes into how to deal with negative events but not fall into a victim mindset and then number one you need to acknowledge it um, acknowledge and accept the fact that that negative event has happened be brutally honest with yourself and don't deny or resist it number two process it understand what the problem is and more importantly what it isn't understand why it's happened find any excuse to take as much responsibility for it as possible and here's the one that i've really taken away is if it's not your fault make it your problem now if you think about that and and something's not your fault, well then it's not really anything to do with you. But if you make it your problem that it's your fault, then maybe that wouldn't have happened again. It wouldn't have been someone else's fault. Um, it makes you kind of iron out any creases that maybe, you know, like you're taking full responsibility for not only you, but anything that could have happened if you're... That, like, you would have um, been involved in. What are you going to do to fix it? How are you going to stop it from happening again? And number three is move on. No bitterness, no hate. And essentially, that, that three processes, so acknowledge it, process it, and move on, is the best way to, to overcome fear. He's, he also says that there's three types of fear. And the ultimate fear is that you're not good enough, but it underlies three different types. And that's the fear of suffering, the fear of failure, and the fear of conflict. Now, the fear of suffering... Um, he kind of goes into it a little bit deeper and he calls something what's called the get ready response. And the part of the brain responsible for processing fear is called the amygdala. Whenever a threat is detected, the amygdala cascades a series of processes for what's about to happen. Our heart rate goes up when we start sweating. Say for example, if you're a kid you hate a cross country, it's exactly what happened. 
Our digestive system slows so that our resources are preserved and we enter a state of psychological alertness. For example, we don't get hungry. When I was a kid, getting ready for rugby, I never used to eat breakfast because I was nervous and I didn't get hungry. It's important to be aware of this and how it feels. And this is normal. Think positively about this. This is your body's way of saying, I'm ready, not, you're scared, don't do it. After this get ready response, he almost, um, he goes into what's called go or no. And essentially, if you if you think about, you, you can see your bubble, um, you're sweating, um, you don't want to pop the bubble, but you know you have to let it grow because you're in a hallway. Um, this is where the go or no comes into play. So saying go to yourself before popping that bubble is the best way to burst the bubble. It allows you to redefine fear, acknowledge that it's right there, and you're about to face it front on. If your response is no, step out of the bubble, gather your thoughts, and then attempt to burst it again. Now the fear of failure, he calls it sticky boots, which is it's almost like an analogy of people who are stuck in a certain position because they're too scared to move forward, open doors in the corridor, and pop bubbles on those door handles. I'm going to read um, just a little bit in, in the book, which kind of... I suppose goes into a little bit more depth of the fear of failure. So it says here, when you admit your fears and vulnerabilities in a positive, optimistic, non-self-pitying way, everyone else will usually warm to you. They'll want to help you. They'll be motivated to pull you into the fold and then take pride in sorting you out. And what if this doesn't happen? Then you'll know you're in the presence of seriously negative people. It's a signal that you'll need to be seeking help, seeking help elsewhere. If you accept and acknowledge your weaknesses and other people mock you for them or use them against you, then get shot with these people. Cut them out of your life. It'll be the best decision you ever make. Admitting your failures is the best way of finding out who's on your team and who's not. The irony is, the people who are defining you as a failure when things don't go to plan are all too often the ones who are stuck in their own restricted corridors. Their fear of being the target of exactly the abuse they dish out has given them sticky boots. Their lives have become frozen. It may well appear as if they're not failing, but that's an illusion. The fact is, they're not failing because they're not putting themselves in situations that are testing them. They're not opening those doors. They're not bursting bubbles. They don't understand that when you crash out every now and again, it's a sign that you're smashing into new corridors, learning, growing, improving yourself, even if it is slow. Those calluses and bruises and scars on your skin are not signs of failure, but success. Another big topic that he talks about is ego, and there's a topic in the book that says ego needs praise. We all know people whose main motivation in life seems to be being as popular as possible. This is a cast iron sight sign that they're motivated by ego rather than healthy pride. Individuals who live or die psychologically by what other people think of them are doomed to be forever stuck in their corridors. To be ambitious, you've got to be capable of enduring periods of conflict with other people and that means they'll sometimes turn against you. You can't centre your whole life on the pursuit of pleasing other people. That's what ego needs to do to satisfy itself. Ego needs praise. It cares too much about other people's opinion, but you can't control what other people think of you, and neither should you want to. What they think of you is up to them. Leave it to them. Pride, meanwhile, requires no external praise, and that's why it doesn't hold you back. Once you stop to trying to please everyone else all the time, you become free. Off the back of um, the three fears of failure, obviously a lot of people um, believe that they're not good enough and that's the ultimate fear. Um, and there's another topic in here that comes comes by the way of prove that you're good enough a hundred times a day. All fear comes from not having sufficient trust in yourself. When people get stuck in a cycle of doubting themselves, it usually comes from years of being told you can't do this and you can't do that by well-meaning parents and teachers. 
Unfortunately, this is not a problem that's going away anytime soon. We're living in an era of massively overprotective helicopter parenting that's creating a generation of fearful, negative people. If the default mindset is you're not good enough, the positive mindset is I'm better than I was yesterday. This is the attitude you should be cultivating. From the moment you wake up, set yourself a challenge, even if it's a small one. Like making your bed is made. Like making sure your bed is made before you leave the house. Put yourself in the correct frame of mind and challenge yourself constantly. You can prove to yourself that you're good enough 100 times a day. Towards the end of the book, his last, his last kind of comment is, Your mission is you. And as long as you're opening those doors, it's mission success. When I was in the military, I vowed to give my life for my country, and I want you to make the same commitment to yourself. Stand in front of a mirror, look yourself in the eye, and make an oath. I will die in service of myself. Putting yourself isn't selfish. Sorry, putting yourself first isn't selfish, but by giving your life to yourself, you become a better father, mother, brother, sister, soldier, employee. Now, I've probably covered maybe maybe 5% of the book, and... Um, Obviously, there's a lot of other stuff that I would rather put in there, but there's just so many good learnings in there and so many things that I hope you guys will be able to relate to. So, look, it's called Ant Middleton, The Fear Bubble. Um, it's a 10 out of 10 book, and it took me a couple of days to read. Um, and then I read his next one, and it also took me a couple of days to read. So, um, obviously, I hope, hopefully you guys have um, got some good value out of that. Um, and if you have any questions, definitely flick me a message. Thanks for listening.